Hey everybody, it's Nate from Voidmaster here to tell you about Coven, our new album coming out April 1st. We're pretty goddamn excited to get it to you guys. We're pretty goddamn excited for you guys to hear the new single, Mana Burner, which comes out February 11th. Take it easy. Jeff Saavedra, the Titanosaur. What's happening? Hey, man. Not much. Um, I'm happy to have you on, man. Your uh, your album, I think, will, will be out at the time this airs. Absence of Universe. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I saw you posted today on uh, on Twitter something about doing lots of interviews for this album. Been busy yeah, promoting yeah. it and whatnot. Doing the, you know, the uh, promo blitz. Um, doing my job. Getting the word yeah. out. Do you like doing that kind of stuff? Doing your own marketing and stuff? You're a, you're a one-man band, right? I mean, so you got to kind of just do everything. Yeah, I got to do it all. Um, I mean, I, I, the... Uh... Yeah, you know, I, I like talking. I like talking about myself. I like talking about the music. So <laughs> I like this part of it. Yeah. Um, the uh, organizing stuff, that's a hassle. But yeah. yeah, I feel like I don't I don't feel like I'm a control freak, but I have learned over the years that like I'd rather just take control of, of stuff and do it. I'd rather do it myself, you know, so like especially being in a one person band, you kind of can have have control over all the instruments, the art, the sound the promotion, the marketing, everything. I mean, I think that's how I would do it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have control over all that stuff, but um, it's helpful and to uh, have outside ears, and it also gets kind of lonely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about Titanosaur. I know you have another band that you had been in or started and we'll talk about that in a little bit, I think. But tell me about Titanosaur, how this project started. Um, was it always a one-person thing, or how did was it recorded in your room? Like, you know, where where was where was the start of all this? Um, so, um, yeah. Well, the first thing is uh, I've never been able to uh, figure out if I should call it a project or a band. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so I was in the Raygun Girls. I was doing the Raygun Girls since 2004. Um, and that's sort of a goth industrial kind of dark type of thing. But, um, and, and I love making that kind of music, but I also love punk and uh, metal and I guess what we call now stoner metal, stoner rock. I love that kind of music, but couldn't make that with the Raygun Girls. Um, and I had this slew of songs that I had recorded on my own Um so I finally decided in 2000, at the end of 2017, to just do something separate. And uh, that's what became Titanosaur. Um, as far as coming up with an actual figurehead um, that um, I brainstorm with my kids all the time. And they helped me find the name Titanosaur. Um, they helped me uh, put lots of stuff together. But uh, yeah, I wanted something that's gave the feeling of stomping loud big crushing um and the name titanosaur was perfect so yeah it's a, it's a pretty cool name and i, I have a, a little boy he's he's three so i'm right there in that dinosaur world right now we're watching <laughs> lots of dinosaur stuff on tv and movies and toys and everything so i'm into it yeah i i don't think uh people grow out of that though 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was trying to look for a name, I figured, okay, dinosaur, big crushing. And almost every cool dinosaur name is already taken by a band. So <laughs> um, it just so happened that uh, they had just recently discovered the Titanosaur. And so there was a documentary about it. So I remembered that and I thought that, that sounded great. So, yeah. It's a it's a relatively new project then. You said 17 is kind of when you started. I know that you put out um, an album Eat Me was 18, it must have been, you know, shortly after, but that's a that's a lot of work in just a short amount of time. You've had like this is like your fourth album. I think there's an EP and stuff in there. And yeah. it's kind of it's kind of the it's it seems to be the trend for a lot of these one-man bands. The, uh, of the people that I've had on this show, there's been several one-person projects and they all have just like incredible output. And that seems so backwards to me. You'd think that if you have four minds together, you'd just be putting out great stuff. One person would be a struggle, but it's the complete opposite. It must just be like no one's telling you not to do something or so, and you just keep pushing stuff out. Well, yeah. When you got more people, you've got to teach everybody the parts and, and you've got to sort of uh, all agree on the parts um, and then practice them until they all sound like the way you wanted them to or the way they want. It, it does take a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but like for me, I don't play live. I can't play live. Um, I have a heart condition and that's why I stopped playing with the Reagan girls live back in 2009. So um, this is the only way I got to uh, spread the music is by recording it. So yeah, about once a year, I come up with a, a full album kind of deal. Um, yeah, it was only an EP last year because um in 2020 i released the album messages uh in december and i was using that to try to get signed to a label um so i spent a few months at the beginning of 2021 um choosing with uh going back and forth with some labels and then i ended up with the swamp records uh so i wanted to put something out with them as soon as possible so that's why i had an ep um and i think that was a good good choice uh, i was introduced to their uh, audience um and that's been working out really well and uh now i got this album ready to to put out right on yeah i've, I've again a, a few of those solo projects have come from the swamp records too he you know he must put out a lot of of those kind of projects yeah um so the the first album that i listened to a few days ago was eat me i wanted to go back and kind of start from the beginning <laughs> and i listened to eat me um and like it started off like there was like maybe a little bit more like thrashy of songs in there, but I mean it sounds it sounds like you, and you know it, there hasn't been that much time that has passed. But how how do you think that your sound has has changed over these four albums, four or five albums into this one? Like, have you changed your own personal taste? Have you changed how you played? Have you changed the messaging? Anything? Yeah, well, the the first album that was really just like me throwing up tons of ideas and, and music because. I was trying to control myself with the Reagan girls. So this was just like a kind of, ah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like, like the very last song, uh, uh, give me more, something like that. That was just being completely silly and idiotic, which I am not, wasn't allowing myself to do with the Reagan girls. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the second album was more of a, was a concept album. And, uh, to me, really complicated. I have no idea how to play a lot of those songs anymore, um, which is why I don't really play them. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then the, the um, 
messages, I think, was when I really solidified what I was trying to do or what I am trying to do with Titanosaur as, as far as the direction um, with the sound. And um, then um, the EP really started going forward more with the uh, more of the grooves, more of the rhythm um, and the, the, the Latin percussion and really trying to bring that in. Um, and that's carried over into this album. Um, so yeah, I feel like I, I keep grow. I, I feel like I keep growing, and I would like to keep growing uh, as I go. Um, so I think that's been the uh, projection of the band of the band so far. Mm-hmm. On on that first album, um, punk rock dad was was definitely. It sounded a little different than some of the other music, and definitely sounds different than the stuff that you're playing now. Yeah. But it made me just kind of laugh and and smile because, like I said, I, I am a dad. I have two kids. Um, but I wanted to ask you kind of how humor has been incorporated into this project because it, the, the music isn't necessarily like goofy. Right. Maybe with the exception of Punk Rock Dad, if, if anything. But the imagery, the the album covers, the music videos and stuff, like there's definitely like this humor to it. So... So how important is, is humor to Titanosaur? And, you know, is it just a big part of you and you wanted to get that out through the music? Or, or where did that come from? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a big part of me. I love humor. I love uh, I love to laugh. Um, and, yeah, with the Reagan Girls, I never felt like I could find a place to inject that. Um, and with Titanosaur, yeah, um, the first album has a lot of humorous stuff on it. Um, and then I sort of got serious with the lyrics afterwards. Uh, but um, I'm able to, through the videos, yeah, be more humorous. And I started on TikTok, and I've been doing this, or I was doing for a while, this Titano Tuesday thing with Titano, uh, doing a little thing on dinosaurs. I try to interject as much humor as I can outside of the album so that it feels like more uh, a more uh, complete picture of Titanosaur rather than just angry and sludgy or or funny right when you're not playing music live you know there has to be something else to keep in front of people and to to give people to hold on to and watch and enjoy and stuff like that so i feel like that is like this extra like level to titanosaur a little bit that you know you can have fun figuring out you know what you're going to do next or you know how are you going to incorporate metal and and dinosaurs and and stuff and how are you going to stay in front of people on instagram or tiktok or or whatever yeah that's pretty much uh, what what it's about now is 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 trying to come up with ideas to stay in front of people's minds yeah um and and humor uh works a lot better than than bashing somebody over the head with uh serious stuff all the time so yeah and like i said it's, it's not that your music's not like it's not like goofy material or anything like that, but you know, obviously a big part of what slightly fuzz does is supposed to be funny. I mean, it's supposed to be like a fun crack at like stoner music and stuff, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) And I think that, that heavy metal has kind of taken itself really seriously for a long time, you know, with with some goofballs and, you know, here and there and stuff like that. But it's nice to kind of see this, you know, lighter side of people. I think social media probably has something to do with that where you see this other side of people where you didn't in the seventies and eighties, you just saw like the rock star on stage or whatever. Um, So people kind of have to be 
more open with you know what they're yeah. actually about and not just put on this like facade of of whatever so you know it's it's been interesting to see like how goofy people are or how nerdy people are or you know they're if they can take themselves a little lighter if they can take their music a little lighter and stuff like that and seeing you know what people come up with to promote themselves or talk about or whatever well well that's like going back to the 80s and 90s that's one of the things that i loved about anthrax um i like the music but also i love the fact that they were they were loose you know yeah. they were they were having fun it wasn't like like iron maiden is like on stage like shh, we're here to melt your faces off kind of thing right so. yeah and so so i mean we, we talked about that in our our messages a little bit was like the influence of new york and stuff to you being from queens i think you said yeah, yeah. so you know to me like I, the big four you know just because you brought up anthrax like i always liked that metallica it was serious and they're like these big strong rock stars and it's it's about death and war and you know it's very serious but i mean there's definitely that more goofy edge to anthrax of of any of those big four for sure and you know what what is that influence on you whether it's anthrax or uh you know beastie boys or, or whoever else that that was an influence uh in in this music well ramones is a huge influence and they're from forest hills um or they were um, um yeah uh one of the first punk records that i heard was ramones leave home and uh my un- i lived in a house with my grandmother my uncles uh, my mom was a single mom um and uh i would raid their record collection and play it on my little dinky toy record player which pissed them off a lot but that's how i got to <laughs> introduce so much music um and yeah the ramones leave home that was like they were short, quick songs. They were silly, catchy. I loved it um, at like six, seven years old. Um, so, <laughs> and then I found out, you know, where, when I was about 10 or 12 that they were from Queens. And then uh, around 14, um, they were uh, warming up CJ because Dee Dee had left the band. They were warming him up for to go on shows, to do shows. And they just happened to pick the uh gymnasium across the street from where i lived to do the show so i got to see them that was my first concert which was like that's where i learned how to slam dance and mosh and all that stuff um fantastic uh ramones is one of those sorry to to interrupt you but ramones is one of those bands that like i didn't grow up in that that era and it's kind of like they become this band that's just become like bigger than themselves really (laughs) so like there's like this like myth about them or this like I don't know this thing that it's almost like I, I don't know anything about them almost because they've just become so like much of like a, a figurehead of like punk rock and early, early stuff like that, that like, it almost seems like it didn't even actually happen. Like it, it almost just seems like it's not even real. And then uh, talking to people like you that you're like, Oh, I went and saw them. It was one of my earliest concerts. I'm just, it's just always kind of blows my mind. They're just one of those bands where I'm like, Holy shit. You saw the Ramones. <laughs> like that's yeah. Well, well it wasn't really that long ago, you know? No, it wasn't. But even for me, it feels almost like a dream because uh, you know they 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 stopped playing, and then and then like a few years after that, they started dying. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I, I I saw them like three times wow. um, live. Uh, they were one of the best bands ever to see live. Um, they just went from one song to the other. You know, they play like thirty songs in a one-hour set, 
You know, when it's if stoner metal, you can maybe get five songs in a one hour set. Yeah, yeah maybe 10, 10 minutes long songs. Uh, um, yeah, so their stage show also really influenced me a lot. Um, and, and I and I actually worked for them for a little bit and I interviewed Johnny ones. Um, wow. So I, I learned a lot from them um, in how to do how to put on a live show. Um you know, playing to the crowd. Definitely. It's about the audience. That's why Johnny never understood why some guitarists turn to the drummer. If the audience is out in front and you're playing for them, you got to be facing them and they would coordinate themselves. The, the CJ and or Didi and him walking up or walking back. Uh, they planned all that out because they wanted to put on a show for the audience. So things like that. Um, really important stuff to to learn when you're playing live. I was just watching um, that the movie called I think it's just called CBGBs. Hmm. Have you seen that? Maybe I've seen. A lot I forget. Of I for, there's a there's a well known uh, actor as like the main role, and it's about like the the guy. And now I I can't believe I'm fucking forgetting his name, but uh, the guy that started CBGBs, um, Hill uh, something Hill. Shit, I should look it up. Um, but anyway, they were talking in the movie. It's it's like a you know kind of a history of CBGBs, and um, it, it's just like to see that the Ramones were playing there at the same time as like the Police and and like <laughs> Blondie and and all these bands. And I just like I don't know. I, I it's hard to believe that they all existed at the same time. And I and maybe that sounds dumb, but like just watching that movie, I was like, wait, what? All these bands that just came to the same place at the same time and they were like nobody's at the time and seeing the Ramones like up on, on that small stage, shitty little stage and like, <laughs> like fighting with each other and like, you, you know, just trying to figure it out. It's like one of their first gigs or whatever. And it, it was just wild. Oh yeah. It, it's, it's great stuff to, <laughs> to watch them and realize how, um, how they, they learned all their stuff as they went. Um, but yeah, the seventies uh, punk was blondie punk was talking heads. And punk was the Ramones. It was only a little after that 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 it started to really become like punk is Sex Pistols and Ramones and Clash and and Blondie is more new wave kind of uh-huh. stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple other bands too, like like you said, the Talking Head and stuff, which I wouldn't would never like put in the same talk as like the Ramones necessarily, but <laughs> it was like they're you know coming through that that same venue. So you said that you worked with the Ramones and interviewed them. What was that like? Well, yeah, I, I worked uh, with their publicity uh, person for a while, for a short while while I was in college. Um, so I, I got to write some of their bios when they were promoting their album, Adios Amigos, their last album. Um, yeah, so I didn't really get to meet them. Uh, but then I, I did interview Johnny, and that was pretty crazy uh, for me as a big fan. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's a really quiet guy, um, and they're all great guys to, to talk to and meet. Um, but yeah, Johnny was a really quiet guy and, and he had a lot of answers. I mean, from what I've read um, and what, what I've learned about them is, is, you know, Johnny was the more conservative guy and Joey was more the liberal guy. And so they had issues with that, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's about, that's about uh, all I remember. I mean, yeah, it was an interview. So I asked questions. He gave me answers. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned a few other bands when we were we were speaking um, through Instagram out of Queens and stuff like 
Kiss, maybe, I think. Like, were these bands that were, you know, just growing up as a kid, you went and saw influence your, like, love of rock and roll? Like, when did you start getting into this stuff? You said pretty early, six or something. Yeah, yeah. So, Kiss, I, I was of that generation that uh, found Kiss through TV when they started playing to the kids kind of okay. thing. Uh-huh. So, I was that generation where we went, got the makeup for Halloween and dressed up as, as the star child or as the demon. Um, yeah. Me and my friend george who ended up playing bass with he's he's like a brother to me and he played bass with the reagan girls for a while um you know we would dress up as kiss and jump around his living room listening to the records uh kiss alive of course um so yeah a kiss is a big a big influence um not just because they're from queens but just because it's kiss but yeah it just happens if they're from queens uh and then you got beastie boys run dmc prong is also from queens um, I don't know. There's something about Queens that uh, get a lot of good uh, hard stuff from there. I don't know. I come from such a small town in Illinois that there was no concerts around me ever until like until I was in like high school. So like <laughs> my my selection of music to be influenced by was nothing, and it if anything, it started super late. So like when I went to college, it was closer to Chicago you know, having like this selection of venues in Chicago to go to whenever mm. it blew my mind. But like growing up in New York, I mean, you're, you're just in it. Were you going to a lot of shows from an early age or, you know, was it just too uh, dangerous or too far of a <laughs> cab ride or, you know, how <laughs> what was going to shows like? At, at, as so, a kid? so the part of Queens that I lived in was Queens village, which is right on the border of long Island. And that's about, if you take the train, it's about an hour and a half to Manhattan. If you take a car, it's about 20 minutes. <laughs> it's that kind of disparity there. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, th- there were local venues kind of thing. But for me, uh, because of uh, being moved around by my mom, um, I didn't really get to experience much of that. So I saw the Ramones in a super small venue. Um, and then right after that like a week later you uh i saw pink floyd on the delicate sound of thunder tour at uh, madison square garden or uh what's the other place but yeah th- there's a lot of places in manhattan for big bands and small bands big giant venues small venues um there was a lot of choice back then in the mid 2000s a lot of the small places started closing up um, like with the Reagan girls, we, we were playing out and right at the end of when venues started closing down. So it, it got a lot harder to play for anybody to see smaller bands, except unless you were all the way out on Long Island, which was a big trek in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, part of the fun of getting to some shows uh, was the danger in it. Um, yeah, right. I, I remember going to see Sepultura in Brooklyn with my friend and you had to take like four trains, go from Queens to Manhattan, then to Brooklyn. And you go to this, it was at Lemoore's um, and Lemoore's was, is like on a side street. Um, so you get off the train, walk over there. Um, and then at two in the morning, hope that you can find a train to get back home because some of the trains stop. Um so that was really rough getting home, but it was it was an adventure, absolutely. So, at what point did the Ray Gun Girls 
start and how did you get into that was this type of this music that you were into and playing at that time and your your taste just kind of like got away from that later or or you said it was kind of industrial yeah so it was almost the same situation as i had with the reagan girls and titanosaur but in reverse i was in a heavy metal band okay uh with a friend of mine um and the other guys in the band were kind of dragging it down and we were getting kind of bored it's like things were taking way too long and my other friend he was very much about learning how to make a home studio and this was in the in the early 2000s late 90s um learning how to record at home um he's that seems like much... such a bigger undertaking at that time oh, <laughs> People yeah, doing it now everywhere everyone's doing it now but like yeah. at that time it probably was like a huge undertaking yeah, yeah. Um, um, Pro Tools was just starting to get into the homes at that time. Um, and he ended up uh, taking a loan out from his dad and bought Pro Tools and brought a big, bought a big soundboard because he had this whole wow. idea of <laughs> doing a home studio and record bands and stuff. So, so he and I were sort of on the same page as far as the kind of music we liked, which was like Nine Inch Nails and, and more industrial stuff. And this band called the Clay People that are from Albany, New York. Um, and so we decided to start make, trying to make this kind of music, sort of recording the guitars, cutting them up, and doing other weird shit to it. Uh, and um, so that was around 2003, 2002. Um, and that's uh, that's when we started the Reagan Girls. Um, it was much more goth and industrial back then because it was much more about... Uh, programmed beats and that kind of thing and then later on i started adding more real drums instead to it and it became much more metal then but uh you said yeah. that the ray gun girls went down to florida so was this on like a like a tour of some sort on run of shows or yeah we did we did a, a small tour down to florida once with our pals uh um, a heavy metal band called pale horse from new york from brooklyn uh we all went down to florida and um that was a lot of fun that's where we got signed to kill zone records down in florida um and that was right at the end of the record industry as yeah. mp3s were starting to come up <laughs> so that was a failure but it was still fun um and uh yeah when you're on tour that's sort of where you you discover who can hack it on the road and who can't kind of thing. Uh -huh. So you said you stayed at, at a, at like an orgy house or something in Florida. So um, that was, those were the days of MySpace actually. Um, and uh, so we used MySpace to try to find places to stay instead of just staying okay. in hotels uh -huh. and using up money. Sure. Um, and this one promoter said, yeah, I've got this place. <laughs> Plenty of room for both bands. No problem. So we got the address and we get down there after the show, we drive over to the place and um, the front of it uh, looked unkempt. The neighborhood felt kind of sketchy, uh, but we walk in and as soon as we open the door, it's kind of dark. We walk around the corner. We see a living room with couches everywhere, like lots of couches and a big screen TV <laughs> and a normal uh, number of couches. For this one. is looking kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and then we walk a little further and you start walking past this like really small like 10 by 10 bedroom 
another 10 by 10 bedroom, <laughs> another one and with just a mattress on the floor. It's no real bed, just a mattress on the floor. And then panties stapled all along the wall and a bar at the end of the hallway. It's like, this is weird. And then the lady started telling us the, 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 the promoter lady was telling us, yeah, this is, this is kind of a singles orgy house on, on other days. So no one was, no one was there. It was, yeah, it was no, like, it no was one like, was there, but it was like an Airbnb before Airbnb. They were just like, all right, tonight it's a band, but tomorrow it's, it's you orgy. Tonight. It's free. It's open. It's supposedly clean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys had to sleep on one of those beds. Well, that was the question. Who's going to sleep on the beds? And of course, nobody said. Nobody raised their hand. <laughs> so uh, no, I have some crazy people in my band, and there's some crazy people in the other band. They're like, ah, whatever. Um, sure, but yeah. uh, I slept on the couch, kind of sitting up, and and some of us slept on the floor. How old were you at this point? Let's see. 2000 is 20 years ago. So, yeah, late 20s. Like 29, 28, something like that. Yeah. I could could have easily done that in my early 20s. Late 20s, I think I would have been like, oh, come on. Where's the hotel? (laughs) Oh, man, that's part of rock and roll, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Too old for that kind of shit now. I feel like uh, I'm not sleeping on the floor. I'm not sleeping in some orgy mattress on the floor. Now I am in my 40s. I got sleep apnea. I got to carry around a machine. <laughs> Sleeping in a chair just isn't happening anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, after after drinking for hours and, and playing a half hour set and setting up and breaking down. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so the Ray Gun Girls turned into a one-man show at some point. So yeah, and then at what point did the one man show just turn into Titanosaur? Yeah, so in 2009, unfortunately, I had my third heart surgery, and so can't play live anymore. Um, theoretically, um, it's way too much uh, stress. So uh, that's uh, that's when I started as a one man band, and then Titanosaur started in about 2017 as a one man thing. Um, a friend of mine who played with the Reagan girls for a bit, a drummer. Um, I'm trying to get him to play drums with us, with me, <laughs> with us, me and the dinosaur <laughs> here, uh, uh, to play with me. Uh, but, uh, he's, he's also a little older and he's got like three jobs or something. I don't know. So he's really busy, but that'd be nice to have a live drummer, um, rather than having to program the drums. So eventually, maybe for the next album, see what happens. How did you learn how to do all this stuff on your own? I mean, the, the drum, it's one thing to just know how to play guitar and sing or whatever, but like the bass, the drums, the whatever else you're adding into it, like just computer skills or just a very talented musician in all sorts of ways, or how'd you figure that out? I'm a wannabe drummer. I uh, I play the air drums very well. Um, I'm a master air drummer. Thank you very much. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I just taught myself. Um, I've been using, uh, and people are usually surprised about the quality I get, but I use GarageBand. I've been using GarageBand since. Yeah, I was going to uh, say it sounds sounds great, and that's kind of been the the other surprising things about all these one man projects that I've had on here too. Is that like they'll sound fantastic. Like I'm not really like the the best judge of sound quality for things, but like I, if you just lined all these bands up. And I, I listened to them. I wouldn't be able to tell you who was a 
home recording or studio recording or one person or 10 people or anything. I, you know, I wouldn't tell a difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I can, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. no, uh, um, I mean, yeah. So I, I, back in 2009, when I found out that I couldn't play live anymore, that's when I started teaching myself how to do this stuff. Cause I was like, I got to play music. I can't not play music. I got to figure mm-hmm. out how to do this. Um, so that's when I started and yeah, just using tutorials, YouTube tutorials, I figured out a good combination of the right plugins, the right microphone, the right setup to get the right sound. Um, so yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of trial and error. Um, there are quite a few Reagan girls albums that I'm not happy with how they sound now. Um, but, uh, yeah, you gotta kind of go through that mm-hmm. to be able to get to, to a nice spot. So the, the drums are tricky. I, when I was like, you know, in high school or middle school or whatever, like I wanted to play drums and, you know, in band or whatever. And, uh, I was terrible at it. So they put me on trombone. <laughs> and then, then like years down the road, I'm like, I mean, I play guitar. Obviously I have guitars here and stuff and I play a little, you know, but I always wanted to be the drummer for some reason. And like you said, like great air drummer. I feel like, Oh, I, I can probably figure this out. I think I, I listen to enough music. I, you know, I can, I can tap my fingers pretty good on the, on the table. I could probably do be all right. And I, my buddy had a drum set. I'm terrible. Just fuck <laughs> I mean, not even close. And I was like, "Oh boy, that tapping on the table thing does not translate to a drum set." I guess. Well, like, like, well, what one of the things that we went through with the Reagan Girls was because uh, Jamie was my friend who was my partner in the Reagan Girls at the beginning. Um, he was a drummer, and so one of the things that we sort of clashed with was, "All right, does it have to sound like a drummer, or does it have to sound good?" Because I might want to put like a, a triplet on the snare here and the hi-hat, which would be physically impossible, but it sounds good. Yeah. So that's sort of what I do here with the, with Titan. So I try to keep it somewhat real, but if it sounds good to put a kick drum right in this spot, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, I've always thought like the, the part of like recording music and kind of like moving stuff around in the pro tools and all that kind of stuff, like that sounds really interesting to me. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not a drummer. So I'm like, if I could figure out how to like program the drums, just like you said, though, like I could make, you know, not just double bass, I can put triple bass in there and I can make this really fast and heavy. And, and, and most people that are like musicians would be like, you can't do that, you know, <laughs> but in my head, I'm like, it'll sound amazing though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you, you gotta be able to, to, to get past that, to cross that line. Once you cross that yeah. line, there's no going back. Everybody's like, <laughs> like yeah. th- this drummer doc, he was listening to some of the tracks and he would say, yeah, I, I can't play that because that's not, that's that's not, not physically fun. possible. <laughs> it sounds a lot better over this. And I played it for other people and they're saying the same thing. I'm like, Hey man, whatever, <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. But that's another thing though, is that like, why aren't there more, I mean, maybe there is, maybe I just don't know about it, but why isn't there more like computer made like metal where it's like doing these impossible things or does that already exist? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just having like insane amounts of this like drum stuff that's not physically possible or, you know, this super fast or intricate guitar parts that's not physically possible, but you did it because you have computer skills. Like, is that a thing? Is that a real thing already? Well, in the industrial scene, I think it definitely is. Uh, I wouldn't be able to pick out anything in particular. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't, uh, 
I'm a huge Fear Factory fan, but I haven't actually listened, like picking that kind of stuff out. But I know that some of their albums are programmed drums. Um, and then some of them are Gene Hoagland, uh, mm-hmm. who's freaking amazing. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, but in the industrial scene, yeah, you get tons of the programming impossible guitar parts. Um, I used to think that a lot of the KMFDM songs were impossible to play, but then I saw them live and he was able to play them live. So I guess not, but um, yeah, I'm sure it's out well, there. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like maybe it'd be a good idea or a really terrible idea. I mean, you know, <laughs> so there's, there's plenty of purists out there that are like, you know, don't use the computer. You got to play your instrument, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, maybe it's just this new genre of music that's just waiting to be created on a computer. Well, no, I, unfortunately, I don't, not unfortunately, but I, I think it, it has been created in the industrial scene. I'm, I'm still in, in that scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't really been paying attention for the past two years, busy with Titanosaur and stuff. Right. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, like in the, the, there's a weird crossover in genres. Um, the doom side of stoner metal crosses over a lot into, the industrial side of things like uh really um yeah i feel like like doom kind of crosses over into a lot of things depending on where the listener sits i mean for you they cross over into industrial for me they cross into stoner and for other people they they cross into heavy metal and you know just maybe it depends where you're sitting yeah i i I guess so i mean i find it funny that i'm in these these goth um facebook groups and they're they're talking about bands that i've saw in the stoner metal groups and like all right whatever but (laughs) weird um yeah but uh yeah you get a a lot of the noise stuff which i'm not into uh deals with like chopping up guitars and and stuff like that yeah i don't get into the noise stuff too much either but yeah i mean maybe that's why i don't know if it exists or not because i don't listen to the right stuff i suppose (laughs) the right stuff yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh let's check out the mountain so people know what we're uh, what we're chatting about here. Nice. Yes.
All right. Do you want you want to tell us about um, the video for the mountain? Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I had a whole storyline and everything figured out for this song for the video, but uh, I, I lost steam. Um, well, we were supposed to film in one spot, and we ended up having to film in a different spot, and I didn't get all the shots I wanted, and so I ended up having to figure out something else. Um, so what I ended up doing was actually the music video is actually me playing live. So it was sort of a practice for this live stream event that I'm going to be doing on, uh, on release date of uh, absence of universe. Um, so it's actually live. Um, it's, so it's a little different version than the studio version. Um, but that's, uh, that's the special thing about this song, the mountain. Cool. Oh, the other thing is I keep forgetting about this part. Um, I, always writing four four because i never wanted to try to do anything different um but uh this song and another one on the new album are both in different time signatures that i've never done before so for me that's a big step um i don't remember if this is one is in five four the other one's in three four i don't remember which one this is <laughs> uh i barely know what that means <laughs> i'm sure mo- most of my listeners will uh will appreciate it <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, it made it heavier. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> so that this was like the what, like the third or fourth single off of this new album? That you uh, th- yeah, this is the third single. The first one was Conspiracy, and then had We're All Waiting, and then this one. Um, lots of people helped me figure out the order of releasing stuff. My friend George, uh, who I spoke about before, my, my like a brother, um, he helps me out with songwriting and sometimes lyrics and and order of songs and all that kind of stuff um so yeah start off with conspiracy which was very much influenced by sepultura uh the specifically uh the roots album um and then um we're all waiting it, it's just funny how it worked out this way that one's really heavily influenced by ministry um specifically the song the light pours out of me which i just uh, about two years ago found out that that's actually a cover song um so but i really love their version of it and that's uh, sort of my little homage to that i guess um so it's a lot more punk it, it originally i recorded it for the Reagan girls so as much i had like synth keyboards and a little bit of a program drum in the back and i changed that around for titanosaur um and then uh yeah this one the mountain which it's really just influenced by the time signature because I couldn't think of anything else at that speed mm-hmm. with that time signature. It just came out that way. So nice and heavy. You, you mentioned something about doing the, like the live stream when the album comes out and for you who, who can't perform at a venue or something, I wonder if that's like kind of the next, uh, the next thing in in music for a lot of people is obviously with the pandemic and stuff, like a lot of people went there, but for you too, just being not able to do venues the way that most like touring bands would or whatever. Like, I wonder what kind of market there is for like, you know, just really exploring that and seeing, you know, where that can take the music and album sales and, and all sorts of stuff because of that, you know, ticket sales or whatever it is, you know? Right. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, this is a total out of left field for me trying to do this thing. I've avoided it as long as I could um, because I'm, I'm like, 
I'm a one man guy. So it's not going to be live, live. It's going to be pre-recorded, but I'm actually playing the stuff at the time live. So there's no editing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm scared. Um, did you did you see the ones that Devin Townsend w- w- did over the course of the pandemic? Yeah, watched Devin Townsend. Watched uh, Sepultura did a couple, a few for their their album that they had put out. Devin's was really interesting because I mean he's standing there by himself. At least the one that right. I watched, um, yeah. standing by himself, and he's playing different tracks. And and you know it, it was really way more interesting than I expected it to be. Well, so. he's he's a freaking genius. Not only is right. he playing yeah. the tracks, but he's also pushing buttons to change the camera angle. He's yeah. got like yeah. <laughs> five different cameras all around, and he's pushing the buttons for that while he's singing or playing. It's insane. Yeah, that guy's insane. I, I once yeah. watched watched him uh, do one of these things where um, they filmed him recording, and he had like an hour and a half to show how to use this program while he was recording a song. And I watched that whole thing. It was like mesmerizing. It's like, yeah, I could do this, but I haven't done it because I feel like this is boring. But I watched it, so. Yeah, that 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 is a, an interesting part too. Is that like I, I'll watch a, a video of a person like you know woodworking, or I'll watch a video of someone painting a picture or drawing, and I I, I do both of those things. I do some woodworking <laughs> and painting and drawing and all sorts of stuff. And as a and this was years ago, I used to think that I all right, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to film it, edit it, put it out on Instagram. That's going to be like my thing. And as soon as I started like setting the camera up and I'm like, who the fuck in their right mind want to watch me do this? Like, it just didn't make any sense. I never, I never really did it. And I still do woodworking and stuff all the time. And I'm like, no one's going to fucking watch this garbage. And then later that night, I'm sitting there watching somebody else do it. You know? Uh, yeah. We're, we're out. We're our own worst critics. Yeah. As they say. <laughs> yeah. But there's, de- there's definitely something there for the, for the live streaming and and stuff like that for you i'm sure because people really got creative over the course of the pandemic with that kind of stuff but i don't think we've quite figured out what it is it's gonna draw people's attention and on the computers quite yet someone's gonna do it even better and there's gonna be more to kind of like take it and run with it i think yeah i've i've seen a few um you know against a green screen or something like that um um so one thing I'm going to be doing with this live stream is is a, a little bit trying to go back to a little bit what a, a bands do on a live stage, which they usually have something projected behind them. Um, so I'm not having something projected behind me, but something sort of like that going on so that there's more to look at than just my ugly mug. Um, so we'll see how it works. But for me, it was, it was an interesting, or it is an interesting... Uh, thing to try out because yeah i haven't played live in since 2009 and i the way my heart is right now i could barely get through the 25 minutes that i had set up so really now i know for sure (laughs) how how do you stay in shape and stuff if you can't uh overwork that heart um walking i do a lot of walking yeah a lot of walking and yeah playing guitar and playing bass I mean, especially at at the speed of some of the stuff that I do, sometimes you just have you know, to keep your heart rate under a certain level, or or how does that work? Well, it's not really that I have to keep it under a level. It's that if it if I get too worked up, then it it pounds a lot and then starts hurting, and then yeah, who knows who knows what's next? Gotcha. Let's do uh, real or fuzzed. All right. So I'm going to show you ten album covers. 
Some of them are real album covers. Some of them are fuzzed. You tell me which is which. Oh, First one, geez. Swollen Balls. Franz, Bird in Hand. Uh, I'd have to go with fuzzed. This is, in fact, a real album. Oh, Jesus Christ, Bird in Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. Not what it sounds like, but it is a real one. If if the Swollen Balls were written better, then I'd believe it. <laughs> well, I mean, the Franz Bird in Hand, too. It's like they... They had like some sort of style to swollen balls, but then went with like Comic Sans on the. Well, well, is is the is the band swollen balls or is the band Franz Burdenhand? I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. Every, the quotes make it seem like Franz Burdenhand is the song name or the album name. <laughs> yeah, maybe I really have no idea. <laughs> Old Bill has plenty of friends. So, uh, so one of my friends is this photographer. Um, um, he he he's a professor at a university, and he collects. Um, I don't remember what they're called, but basically images that are out there in the internet for free. And uh-huh. He collects them, and this looks like one of the ones that he would find. Um, uh, Jesus, like like the two that the the artwork for the two singles that I have for conspiracy and for uh, we're all waiting. I got from him. Yeah, those are great too. By the way, I like those. Yeah, yeah, he has a lot of stuff like that, and and it's, it's a great. He, he told me use any whatever you want, um, so I do. Um, but this, um, well, it's got RCA on the bottom. I'll say real. This is fuzzed. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> You're over two. Hotline to Heaven by Jerry Irby. I feel like I've seen this album in my grandmother's collection. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, it looks like it looks like from the fifties, sixties, stuff like that. Yeah. But ah, uh, mm. uh, mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go fuzzed. This is <laughs> this is real. So I'm so I'm backwards. <laughs> Eternal Guardians of the Black Dragon's Lair. Curse of the Warlocks, Dark Potion, Battle at the Princess's Chambers, Chapter One. That sounds way too real. <laughs> and if the pattern is going correctly, then this one would be real. This one is fuzzed. Oh my god. You you came up with that? Curse of the Warlocks, Dark Potion. I I wanted to make the most obnoxiously long <laughs> band name and album title with just like just piling more and more and more and more on it. That sounds, yeah, that sounds like a the, Halloween the best, song. The best nerd shit that I could come up with. <laughs> it sounds like a Halloween song. Curse of the Warlock, Dark Potion, Battle of <laughs> Chapter One. It just keeps going. I love reading it out loud because it just keeps going. You're like, dude, I get it. Baron Cross, Rock for the King. Um, I'm gonna say real uh, striper wannabes, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure what they sound like, but it is real. <laughs> All right. Little David Wilkins, King of all the taverns. If this isn't real, it has to be real. Somebody has to make it real. Go back in time and make it real if it's not real. <laughs> yeah, this is real. Okay. I would I would love to, to know what this sounds like for one, but I would love to be this guy and be like, I finally recorded my album and I want to call it King of All the Taverns. The, the, yeah. Does this guy have, is it one of those high pitched things or is he like bluesy low? 
kind of thing. I want to yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know. This one's called Killer Kyle Will Rock for Protein. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this on Twitter. Like I've seen this guy try to be my friend. <laughs> um, staff tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll say real. This one's fuzz. Okay, that's good. He looks like my my friend's brother, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Those arms? Those arms. He's got... He used to be a bodybuilder. He's like, yeah. And one of those people who can't fit through the doorway, they got to go in sideways. Yeah, they kind of like have a waddle to them as they mm-hmm. walk. They can only oh, wear sweatpants. That's so awesome. <laughs> Mushroom eater. I can taste colors. Oh, Jesus Christ. It would make sense that this would be on relapse. <laughs> I'll say fuzzed. This one's fuzzed. Yeah. All right. That's nice work. <laughs> yeah yeah uh i forget what his name is um murphy uh did the artwork the mm. talented uh graphic artist pizza death slice <sighs> of death that has to be real that slice is real like that that uh oh what was that band's name that did the uh, arnold schwarzenegger thing oh, something of death i don't remember i don't know that's what they remind me of yeah, I should check this one out. It looks like it might be actually good. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. Satan is real by the Lovin' Brothers. Now you see, it says Capitol Records in the corner, but the last time I used that kind of logic, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of looks like the uh, South Park devil there. Yeah. Uh, I'll go fuzzed. <laughs> this one's real. Oh, my God. I wonder if South Park took that head for, for their Maybe. It, it does. That's what I think of every time I see it, is that it looks like the South Park Devil. <laughs> so that's real or fuzz. Nice. <laughs> all right, man. That's all I got for you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this what? album coming out. I think it's a great album. I went back and listened to a bunch of your other music, all, all great as well. So ah, thanks. thanks for being on here and, and chatting for a little bit. Lots of fun. Thank you very much. Appreciate Best it. of luck. All right. Thanks, man. Later. <laughs>